Hey guys, this is Brad and Mike from Dallas Geek. Today we're coming back with our full spoiler filled Spoilers! review. Oh, sorry. Of Star Wars The Last Jedi. Spoilers! <laughs> oh, so, we, we haven't started the spoilers yet? Oh. Uh, well, about to. Okay. Uh, so, for those of you that watched our live stream on Thursday night when we finished seeing The Last Jedi for the first time, we gave our initial thoughts, uh, but we made sure not to touch on any spoilers, which unfortunately means we couldn't talk about much because so much happens in this movie that is very subtle and detailed that even talking a little bit about it, it's really hard not to give spoilers away. Spoilers! Now we're back to do exactly that. So if you have not seen the movie and you plan to, don't watch this video yet. Go watch the movie right now and then come back and watch us. David, I'm looking at you. Don't see this yet. See this after you see the movie. You mean again? He was with us. No, 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 different David. Uh, our, our, our old boss, David. Fair enough then. Yeah. All right, so uh, with that, I think the first thing that we need to talk about is just how amazing the cinematography was with yeah. this movie. Um, yeah, man, when they blew up that Death Star again, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, it, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, when they blew up that Starkiller base. <laughs> um, so that that's the big thing about uh, this whole movie. We've been talking uh, about this a lot in our Know Your Directors series, uh, but Ryan Johnson has proven that he is absolutely one of those directors that is very in sync with his cinematographer. Every single shot, uh, the angle of every shot, every aspect of the frame is so specific in how it's done yeah. that you can tell it, there was a lot of thought that went into each scene. Very metic uh, meticulous. meticulous. Yeah, me me meticulous. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm I've been drinking against my own will. Hey, hey, nothing has been done against your own will. Help me! Yet. <laughs> um, but no, th this this movie was just gorgeous. It really was. I, I mean, really just was. absolutely gorgeous. Every, every aerial shot, every scene basically with Ray and Luke on the island. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there, the the one that they show in the trailer where she's uh she's training by the rock, she's got the lightsaber and she's coming up to like the rock basically showing her control with the lightsaber and everything like that. Like half of those shots are at an angle where I was like, he must've just been chilling out on a helicopter shooting because where she was situated and where the island, like there is absolutely no way that he could have got a rig and crane set up. Like, he must have been just in a helicopter, just kind of hanging out, shooting those scenes. Oh yeah, I mean, which is incredible when you think. Unless about it. he was able to uh, replicate that exact part of the island in studio to be able to splice the two pieces of film together, yeah. which I mean, it's always possible, but it did not look like that's what happened. Mm -hmm. So it's very clear whatever camera rig he used was very, very complicated, yep. or at least very smartly done. Then uh, what else? Um, so I know a lot of people had a complaint about the direction that they took Luke Skywalker in this movie. Yeah. Um, so this is not the for the for those of you guys that did know the, the legacy or the legends, legends, legends. <laughs> the Star Wars legends as they're now referred to. Right. Since Disney bought them and basically retconned it. Which yeah, the the you, Luke Skywalker. You, you comic book nerds will know what retcon means. <laughs> yeah, the Luke Skywalker that you see in this film is not the same one that no. uh, us book readers knew. Uh, from before the Disney purchase. No, he is very much a shell of a man. I mean, when you think about everything that he's been through over the last 30 years, I think it's fair to say that it, yeah, he'd probably go off in that direction. Y you think? <laughs> y y you think? 
Uh, if you goes crazy, murders all his Padawans, <laughs> takes some of them to form his own little hit squad. Yeah, I can I can see where that would kind of send him off the deep end a little bit. And even before that, uh, finding out that your old mentor, uh, sorry, mentors were your father's teacher and your father's killer, who then convinced you to kill your father, um, all to try to then go and fix the mistakes that your father made, trying to essentially eradicate a good chunk of the galaxy. Uh, yeah, no, th there's no mental health problem there at all. I think you undersell that when you say a good chunk of the galaxy. I mean, it depends on if you're talking about just the Jedi or um, all of the resistance to the Empire. Because uh, one small-ish, the other is not so much. No. Uh, <laughs> no. So yeah. Um, um, but I, it, it makes a lot of sense, like I said, where they take them. I just didn't expect it, to be honest with you. No. I was very much like, um, well, shit, these are spoilers, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. So the first scene we see is Ray hands him the lightsaber, and he just takes it and throws it off a cliff. Doesn't say a word. Which, walks straight past her and locks himself in his in his little hut. I mean, that surprised the hell out of me. We were all just and, like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I mean, it, it took a second, but I think half the theater started uh, nervously laughing. Like, five <laughs> seconds after that scene. What, what the hell's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, there, there was a... a legitimate three to five second processing time yeah. for our entire theater uh, before anybody felt comfortable enough to react. I thought it was really funny and, and a nice little nod to um, everything, hello Tyrion, uh, everything that Luke did um, when he was blowing off Rey as his immediate reaction uh, to her showing up yeah. seemed very much uh, like Yoda. Whether he meant for that to be uh, his reaction or not, it really was a nice nod back to uh, him acknowledging how he was trained mm -hmm. and the things that he was taught to be the default reaction uh, for this kind of situation. Right. Yeah, Luke is very much the cynical, hates the world, hates what it's come to. Yeah. Like, I think at one point he says, he's like, why do you think I came to this island? I came here to die. Yeah. Like, it's time for the Jedi to end. And... You're just like... like... Yeah, and like, the way the trailers set it up, it made it sound like he was talking about the Jedi Order. No. But the context in the movie is he meant himself. He went there so that he could die because he Jedi. considered himself to be right. the last Jedi. And that was depressing as hell. Yep. Yeah. That was that was a tough build as well. Uh, when you kind of realize the context of what he was saying, you're like, oh, shit. That's why they're calling it the last Jedi. Yeah. Oh. Um, huh. Okay. So on the other end of the spectrum, uh, we had the big reveal of Snoke, finally. That gold rope, though. Honestly, I thought that was kind of a weird where do I, aesthetic choice. Where do I but, get one of those, though? All right. <laughs> like, son of a bitch. Like, if I can control people with the force like that wearing that rope, like, I don't think anybody would ever. That's one of those I think I, like, if I ever saw a guy in that kind of rope, I'd be like, really, man? And then he starts force throwing me around the room, and I'm like, oh, okay. You can, you I mean, to be fair, it was want. very Donald Trump chic uh, in, in the rope aesthetics. Uh, <laughs> it's very, I mean, you know, he, he did have a very. This is Trump's and, America. I mean, Snoke's America feel. There was definitely a very uh, a creepy vibe that he gave off when uh, interacting with Ray too. And I mean, I mean, his whole interaction with Ray and Kylo Ren when they finally were brought together, uh, all three of them, it was just so 
dominating and so clear that he was the one in control of this situation. Yeah, like he wasn't um, messing around. No, no, no. I mean, granted, I appreciated that there were a couple pieces during that whole scene mm. that felt very much like the scene between Luke, Vader, and Palpatine during uh, Return of the Jedi. Right. Uh, so I thought that was a really nice, subtle nod, but at the same time, it was done very differently. Right. Like, everything about Snoke's demeanor made it clear any comparison that you thought you could make of him to Emperor Palpatine, he was going to make sure that Emperor Palpatine looked like nothing by comparison. Like, he, he was a yeah. little girl by comparison. You, you, because you can he, say it, a bitch. It was just so final and yeah. so totally dominating. But then everybody was shocked about uh, what Kylo did with Snoke by killing him. No, a lot of I, I think that was actually the smartest thing they could have done because, I mean, my personal thoughts on it is that Snoke's not dead. Either that was some kind of trick or a clone mm -hmm. or that wasn't really Snoke to begin with. I, I, I don't really know how. My theory is, is that it was. And this goes back to the old teachings of essentially the apprentice is supposed to surpass the master. Uh, For those of you that have seen the movie, if you listen carefully to everything that Snoke is saying right before it happens, you know, he turns the, he turns his lightsaber onto his enemy, he strikes down his enemy, his true enemy becoming more powerful, blah, 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 blah. He doesn't ever say Ray's name. He never says Ray. he never says the resistance, he never says his mother, no. he just says his true enemy. Like, he makes sure that there is a very neutral tone to the specific person that he is talking about Kylo acting exactly. against. Exactly. As if he knew it was going to be him. Even right. though his mannerisms and tone of voice don't give that away. Right. Which is why I personally think that he knew this ahead of time and had taken precautions. Uh, the biggest thing for me that makes me uh, believe that is he made a point, a very obvious point, that he was going to let Kylo and Rey know that their psychic link that they've had throughout the entire movie was not their doing, it was his. Right. Only his. And then at the very end of the movie, that psychic link between uh, him and Rey was still there right up until the point that she chose to stop it. Now, yes, you can always try to say that, well, they're both Force users. They could have done that all themselves as a uh, willing piece of connection, trying to reach out to each other. But I think Ryan Johnson was way too smart to overlook something so obvious. Yeah. When every other hint that he gave to big reveals throughout the movie were so subtle, I don't think something like this would have been overlooked without it being completely intentional. I, I, I think that there is absolutely something else going on here, but which just really makes me think that Snoke in some way, form, or fashion is still alive. I don't know how, but I think he is. They, they spent way too much time building up Snoke, building up the importance of him. I don't think that uh, this is the end of it. I just, I can't well, believe that. Well, we'll find out on the next yet. episode of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> oh, wait. No. So what else? Uh, no, so with, uh, with The Force Awakens, I know a lot of people complained that Poe Dameron didn't have as much screen time as Rey and Finn. That is not the case in this movie. Like, he is the, like, <laughs> he is the focal point of the movie. Uh, for a good chunk of it, yeah. Like, I w in all honesty, I would say like 50 to 60% of the movie is, is his character development. Oh, definitely. Basically being the jockey flyboy, doesn't really see the big picture, to Leia and Admiral Haldo like, It's cool that we won the battle, there's a <laughs> war going on! Like, <laughs> you need to see that there's more going on than this just one, that, like, 
the, the this just this like which like they they hammer over and over and over and over yeah. into him which he finally figures out by the end of the movie but it's very much that mentality of like we have to win every battle we have to win every battle we have to win every battle and they're trying to tell him like no there's a war going on yeah sometimes you sacrifice battles to fight another day so from my perspective as much as i appreciated that i also had a slight problem with that particular story arc for him because disney has been so meticulous and making sure that every piece of media about Star Wars, uh, whether it's in movie or comic or book form, uh, must be consumed to get the entire picture. Yeah. And yet, this specific point was one that kind of strayed from that because in the Poe Dameron comics, they've already had this exact storyline two times where they made sure that Poe had to learn the lesson that you can't focus on the moment or the battle, you must be thinking big picture if you want to be a good leader. Yeah. And the fact that you had to do it a third time for the movie, while it is beneficial to the movie only fans, uh, to the fans that have been consuming all the other media, um, it does seem a little insulting to us, and at the same time makes Poe as a character seem very dumb because clearly he is unable to keep a lesson so hard learned in his head for more than a couple days or a couple battles before he has to learn it again. I don't think- And that that's a problem, especially when the other two storylines from the comics were taking place at least a couple years prior to The Force Awakens. I don't think dumb is fair, I think headstrong. He's very no, headstrong. No, uh, uh, needing to learn the same lesson twice, that's headstrong. Needing to learn it three times in such an obvious way, that makes him seem a little inept. And that, I don't think, since I don't that's know, not the, him the, as like, a character, I dude, think that's a problem. The dude did pull a coup d'etat. Like, inept people don't pull coup d'etats. Well, no, no, and that's the problem, though. From the perspective of the story that they've given him in the comics, it makes it seem very naive. Mm. But if you haven't seen the comics, it makes him seem completely justified uh, for the sake of trying to preserve his fellow soldiers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just, I think that they could have done Poe a little bit more justice if either they had talked about this as a possible story arc for his character in the comics prior to the making of the movie, mm. or if the uh, comic side uh, with Marvel had been a little bit more in tune with the movie side and known this was going to be a story arc that they were going to be doing in the movie, so don't be pushing it so hard in the comics mm. so that it makes such a dissonant tone for his personal development. Okay. I, I think uh, there needed to be more communication, which is interesting to me because Disney has seemed like such a, a heavy-handed guidance when it comes to their connected universes that they create. Like we, that we've seen like with Marvel, right. they are very heavy-handed with making sure every detail is accounted for. Right. So the fact that this is something so simple that was overlooked. I don't know whose fault that is, but I do think it's a problem that is going to come back to hurt the character in the long run, so. That's fair, that's fair. Yeah. But we're not all nerds and read comics like you do. Really? Yeah. This is you saying that we don't all read comics. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> um, so. What else you got? Yeah, I was gonna say Carrie Fisher. Oh dear lord, that was that was heartbreaking, dude. I I honestly felt my heart sink a couple times during yeah. the movie. I mean, like we, especially oh. especially with uh, her and Admiral Haldo. Well, I mean, we mentioned it uh, during our live stream uh, that there were a few times during the movie 
that there were scenes where it felt like the right. character is telling her goodbye, even though they couldn't have known ahead of time yeah. that that would have happened yeah. uh, to Carrie. Like, it, it, it hit me deep. Yeah. It, it hit me deep. It really and, was. Like, there was, like, with Admiral yeah. Haldo, when she's just kind of like, somebody's got to stay behind to pilot the, and she's like, I can't take any more loss. And she's like, but you taught me how to. And then it, they just kind of hold each other's hands and it zooms yeah. in on that. And they, they're just like, God, like, duh. Guys, you're you're freaking killing me. Um, but I absolutely <laughs> loved that she was like she was the mom of the movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah like yeah. everybody turned to her for guidance. Everybody turned to her for like that emotional pick me up or like yeah. when like we we kind of teased when Poe performs a coup d'état. Well. <laughs> And the first the person that puts an end to it is Leia. And one of the best ways I think we've ever yeah. seen it's just like Leia. And she <laughs> pops him with the sternbolt. <laughs> Everybody else is just like, okay, we give up. But when Poe comes to on the transport off the main ship, who's the first person that tells him to come sit by her? It's Leia. Yeah. And she starts mothering him. And she's like talking to him and this and that in that very motherly tone. And it's like, ugh. Like, and, and they very much build up the fact that like she is the most respected character in basically the galaxy. Oh yeah, like even more so than Luke. Absolutely, yeah. Um, although I do have to say, from a more behind-the-scenes standpoint, uh, that scene where she walks into the room and ends the coup that Poe is trying to start, I found it personally hilarious because one of the people that was oh, supporting the coup her, was uh, her, her daughter, her actual daughter, daughter Billy yeah. Lord. Yeah, and that's right. I always yeah. as soon as. And they've got her hair up in buns yeah. over the end. So as soon right. as Poe hit the ground from the stun blast and the camera pans over uh, and you see Billy's face, I know she was in character, but just seeing her face looking like the guilty kid yeah. uh, with mom coming in to scorn everybody, it just seemed so hilarious. Appropriate I, I yeah. loved that so much. Uh, I mean, seriously, I, I know that it, it's part sentimentality uh, because yeah. of the relation, but I am actually really looking forward to seeing more of Billy Lord uh, in Star Wars, especially because in this movie, we got to see more of her abil uh, yeah. acting abilities, and she felt very at home yeah. with the this type of story, with the material she was given. I, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing what else she has to offer with it. She seemed very correct. Yeah, for I think, I think it's a very it was, I think that's a very good way to say it. She felt very at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whether you want to think of it as it's a, a way for Carrie Fisher to still be around, or you want to think of it as Billy taking on her natural inheritance. Yeah. Either way, I think that she has a home with Star Wars as long as she wants it, and if she continues to give us the performance that she did in this movie and up her game with each new movie that she's involved in. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see what else she has to offer. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, for sure. And then if we're going to be talking about heartbreaking Leia scenes. We have to talk about. Nope. Have... Nope. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Damn it. I know. Say it. Her and Luke. That was. Good Lord. That that was. That one killed me. That was rough. I mean, that, that's the one where I almost uh, went to tear, uh, tears yeah. on. It it that, hurt, man. It hurt. When he sits down and he's talking to her, and she, I know what you're going to say. I changed my hair. <laughs> he just kind of rolls his eyes. <laughs> and seriously, damn it, Mark. The, the fact that you can still be so uh, subtle and personal with a scene like that in Star Wars of all things. Yeah. 
I mean, that, that just goes to show how uh, amazing of an actor you are. Seriously, you just keep doing what you're doing. I, I, I mean, I've loved you for uh, a long time, but that scene endeared me even more to yep. you as Absolutely. an actor. I, that, that, was, that was fantastic. But yeah, that scene was, that scene was rough, man. Yeah. Especially when he gives her the kiss on the forehead and says, we're not ever really gone. <sighs> and then we're just like, no. Stop Dude, it. Just stop it. Like, stop with all the feels. Stop it right now. And you're just like, Killing oh. me. It was. It was <laughs> tough, man. It was tough. So to try to get on something a little bit more cheery. Daisy Ridley. Yeah. Oh my gosh. She was fantastic in this. Um, I, I just like to look at her. No, we, we, we know you do. Okay. I think we remember everything that you said about her in our Force Awakens review. So crazy. Honestly, uh, she, was, she was awesome. Her acting was very very well done. Um, I, I think that the connection that she had with Ryan Johnson and their ability to understand each other so that she could give the performance that he needed yeah. while he could also present her performance in the best way. It just flowed so perfectly. I also really like um, the dynamic between her and Luke and also her and Kylo as well. Yeah, so I liked Daisy and Mark's chemistry yeah. on screen. And as much as I wanted to see more of it, I understand why they had to stop it when they did, even though it was for a good chunk of the movie. Yeah. But yeah, like you were saying, the, the dynamic that I'm really excited to see come up more in the next movie is Ray and Kylo. Uh, Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver, they need to have as many scenes as possible together because their chemistry on screen and their uh, ability to play off each other is just so good. Yeah. I mean, even when they were in completely different rooms, at least for the sake of the camera, yeah. and they were just having to react to each other, it was just so Good. Can, can you cover up <laughs> and put on a towel? That was great. Man, that, that was fantastic. But no, yeah, them two together was really good. The dynamics of her trying to save him and... Yeah, especially when it uh, felt so much like a mirroring of Luke trying to save Darth Vader yeah. in Return of the Jedi. But then as soon as the twist happened, and everything went completely sideways, mm -hmm. uh, and Kylo tried to take over uh, things. The way that she reacted to his shift in purpose, his shift in uh, direction, it felt so natural. Yeah, like she was very heartbroken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was like, please just don't do this. Like, just please don't do this. Like that's all, like that's the only line that you needed to hear her saying the way she delivered it. You were like, man, like that kind of sucks more than a little bit. Oh yeah. 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 No, that, that, that was awesome. Yeah. And can I just say, uh, as a really brief aside, the Praetorian Guards, they were everything that Star Wars fans of the books and the old comics had wanted to see from the Emperor's Royal Guards, but didn't. This was exactly what everybody was hoping for the second we saw the first picture that there was going to be a new version of the Royal Guards. The, the, this was exactly the kind of scene we were hoping for. And they threw down. On the other end of the spectrum, the one disappointing thing uh, that had been hyped uh, to the absolute nth degree. <sighs> Friggin' Phasma, man. Uh, they gave her a book. They gave her a comic to go between The Force Awakens 
and this, the, the little time that spanned between the two movies. Which there wasn't... There was almost no time that spanned between like the movies. Like maybe, what, a week or two? Not even. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for the Luke and Ray storyline, no time passed. For the uh, the resistance uh, side, maybe a few days at most. But the problem was they hyped Phasma so much. They had been pushing her as such a big character, and I love, I freaking love Gwendolyn Christie as an actress. I think that she is phenomenal, and you can do so much with her. I just don't think that they gave her enough yet again. They gave her more screen time, yes. I just don't think they gave her enough material. Granted, you know what she was? She was this generation's Boba Fett. And that's the problem. Everybody keeps making that uh, connection. Now she did more than Boba Fett. If you're talking just Boba Fett from the movies, uh, it's justified. Unless what's gonna happen is what I think is gonna happen, which is- Did you see a yet, body? Yet again, she's not- Exactly. Did you see the body? In Star Wars, sure. just like most nerdy things, if you don't see a body, did you, you cannot assume the they're dead. I agree. Although with Snoke, we saw the body, I still don't think he's dead, but whatever. Um, no, I, I, I think we're going to see Phasma uh, in the next movie again. And damn it, JJ, you're the one that pushed Phasma. You're the one that uh, said she was your favorite new character. If you don't bring her back and freaking do something whoa, with her. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is on you, sir. Whoa. It's on you. Well, I need you to take that tone down when talking to JJ. <laughs> I need you to take that tone away down. Seriously, they, oh, it just, it kills me. Give her her own spinoff if you want. Just do something that is worth Gwendolyn Christie's acting ability. Come sure. on. Okay. Just freaking do okay. it. You, you done? You gonna, gonna get yes. that off your soapbox? Yes, okay. I'm done. Getting off soapbox? So I think the, the last thing that we really need to touch on is actually not directly movie related, but it is about the context of the movie. Okay. Since the movie premiered, we have been seeing more and more ah, yes. audience reactions that were very negative or split. And I think oh, we've done this before, but I think we need to readdress the problem. I'll, I'll take it from here. Go for it. Fanboys, talking to you. <laughs> Listen up, damn it. I get that going into a certain movie or a certain book or a certain comic or something that you grew up loving, that you grew up putting a lot of your heart and your soul into, you have preconceived notions that it's going to happen a certain way. Or you have expectations that you maybe want it to happen this way or you want it to happen that way. <sighs> and how can I put this lightly? Stop. You act like little bitches when you don't get your way. So much so that I have legitimately read reviews that were like, I didn't like that Luke was nothing like he was in the, le in the, leg in the legacy collection. This movie's a piece of shit. Like, oh, so what you're saying is, is that before you even walked into the movie, you had an expectation of, well, if it's not gonna be this way, this movie's going to suck. Just stop it, guys. Stop it. Stop it. The movie was fantastic. Whether it followed the preconceived storyline that you set aside for it or not, take it as it is. You are why the internet is an awful place. Just stop it. Stop it. Guys, stop just it. stop. Really, don't take it from, it has to be like this. It has to be like this. It has to be like the legends. Luke has to do this. Luke has to do that. That's not the way that we should be taking it. We should be taking it as it is presented to us. The movie's fantastic. Yeah. It really is. We, as a culture of nerds, need to be able to go into these movies 
and stop assuming that we know what the story is going to be. Mm -hmm. We need to be able to accept when a truly unique story is given to us and accept it for what it is and enjoy it for what it is. I was about to say, halfway through this movie, I leaned over to Brad and I said, this movie hasn't gone any way that I thought it was going to. Oh, and that's the thing. Like, the trailers that were put out gave you a very different mm -hmm. image of what this movie was going to be compared to the actual context of the scenes that were did. in the trailers. It absolutely did. And they, they did a, a fantastic job with the trailers uh, compared to what we usually get for these type of movies. And we need to just appreciate that for a second and stop trying to predict these movies before we've even sat down in the theaters. Yep. Simon Pegg has even stated on, uh, on record that he believes that we as nerds need to stop being infantilized and stop acting like immature audiences mm -hmm. and be able to appreciate when a mature story is given to us. That is exactly what needs to happen here. This was a mature Star Wars story mm -hmm. that we were given and we need to be able to appreciate it for that exact thing. Don't hate it because it's not the Star Wars you know. Love it for the fact that it's a new kind of Star Wars and gives us hope that there can be other kinds of Star Wars stories. Everybody it's loved okay. Rogue. Everybody loved loved Rogue One. That was nothing like a Star Wars movie. Yeah. So. So all the hate for this one, I don't get it. Just please, guys. We need to be a better audience. There was so much time and effort put into this movie, and good effort. And we need to be able to appreciate it for exactly that. We need to be able to appreciate that they gave us a Star Wars movie that wasn't a rehash of episode four. Yeah, that, that was genuinely unique. Yep. And we need to be able to be a better audience so that we can get more like this or better. I mean, just imagine what other kinds of stories we can get within the Star Wars universe if this kind of story can be seen as properly acceptable and something that should be built on. Agreed. I think that is a fantastic thing. And you should too. Yeah, with that, uh, is there anything else that we haven't touched on? Go see the damn movie. Just I will do be it. seeing it again. Probably more than once again. Oh, easily. Um, As well, everybody should. Go in with an open mind. Yeah. It is not a typical Star Wars movie. There's a lot going on. There's probably yeah. a good five to six plot threads that are going on in this movie. Yep. Yep. Um, it is a long movie. It's two hours and 35 minutes long. Nope. Longer. Is it? It was just under the three hour mark. Are you sure, man? I looked it up right before we went into our... Uh, this morning I saw 235. Oh, and while I'm looking this up, we were actually lucky enough, uh, since we went opening night and were the first viewing of the night, that there was actually a... Oh, you're right. 232. My bad. So to quote Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> but no, since we were the first viewing of the night, we were actually lucky enough to be able to have a special behind the scenes. Uh, that like was cool. 10 minute ish short before uh, showing the making of the soundtrack and getting to hear John Williams take on the movie and how he created the soundtrack for this one, as well as the level of involvement that Ryan Johnson had on the soundtrack. Spoiler alert, there's, it was a lot. Yeah, and, and to be able to hear someone like John Williams say that Ryan Johnson was a very hands-on director when it came to the soundtrack, 
but in the best uh, way that he's seen a director be hands-on about a soundtrack. Uh, well, because he was able to see and understand how to speak the language of music. Yeah. He was able to understand how to not try to push a specific vision of what he thought the soundtrack was right. onto John, but instead uh, was able to work with him uh, so that they could be very uh, copacetic together with how they tweaked and refined each scene in the music for it, yeah. and it was fantastic. It was amazing, it really yeah. was. It was that, awesome. I, that was actually probably uh, one of my favorite parts of the opening night experience. Yeah, for sure. So, that, yeah, no, that, that I'm actually glad that we got to see that. But I think we can go ahead and call it on that. Yeah, no, I, I think we've, uh, we have gone to the nth degree on this review without saying blow by blow what the movie was. Right. So, with that, this is Brad and Mike from Dallas Geek saying, see ya. Oh, wait, wrong one. Dude. Uh.